all of these things that we're battling through and battling with, we've got to have the support of and the strength of the peace of God. And then he said, the third thing he said in that passage of Scripture, in this world you will have tribulation. The fourth thing he said in that uh, verse of Scripture was, be of good cheer, or other words, have courage, be of good cheer. And he concluded it with that fifth statement, I have overcome the world. Now, this statement was made before he went into the Garden of Gethsemane and prayed so hard that he sweated blood. It was made before he was arrested in that garden and before the mockery and the scourging and the cross and all of those things that happened. It was on the eve of his passion. It was on the eve of all of this starting. But he already knew that victory was already achieved. He had already overcome. He already was an overcomer. And he's letting his disciples know in this last statement that he's making to them that you just, you just rest easy, guys, because I have overcome the world. There's three things that real, real briefly I want us to focus on tonight out of that passage of Scripture. Number one, and the notes are on the app if you wanted to follow along with that. That's totally understandable. But number one, Jesus is our source of peace. He made the statement, he said, These things I have spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. I have told you these things so that in me you might have peace. What's he talking about? Just back up to chapter 14. We're going to just, just scroll down through there just for a moment. Beginning in chapter uh, 14, he made this statement. He said, I want you to know that I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said in John 14, beginning in verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. And whether I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said, Lord, we, we don't know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also, or you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Philip said unto him, Lord, shew us the Father, and it will suffice us. Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me has seen the Father. How sayest then, show us the Father? Believest not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, the words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father." And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you'll ask anything in my name, I will do it. So he's telling us as he concludes this passage that we read, that we started from in John 16, 33, these things I have spoken unto you. So he speaks to us and says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. And then he talks about the abiding presence of God. Just as he was one with the Father, we can be one with him. And I'm thankful for that.
today. Then he talks about the promise of the Spirit. In John 14, in verse 15, he said, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. The very presence of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, is the very Spirit of Jesus himself dwelling in us. The very Spirit of God living in us. In John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. That's why Paul would write, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which you have of God? You're not your own. You're bought with a price. How many of you know that God is living in you? Do you know that tonight? I can't really see you that well. I'm pretending to see you. But how many of you know without a doubt that he's living in you? That's the consolation and the comfort that we have as a child of God, that he is not only with us, he is in us. The very God of peace and the peace of God with us. John 14, 25, Jesus said, These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. Physically, I'm here. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So you book in what he said in John chapter 14 with let not your heart be troubled, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Poke your neighbor and say, peace. Jesus is the true vine. He goes on, he takes us into John 15. He's teaching us this, John 15, 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me." It's just virtually impossible to be a fruit-bearing believer if you're not in him. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. But if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them, cast them into the fire, they're burned. But if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. But as he goes on teaching us, these are the words that I started out with. These are the words he said that I gave to you. I don't want you to be fearful about anything. I've spoken these things unto you that in me you might sh that you might have peace. He goes on and talks to us and gives us truth piled upon top of truth. And he says, 
beginning there in verse 11 of John 15, he lets us know that our joy is not coming from the world. And a lot of people are struggling with that one. Because our joy does not come from the acceptance of the world toward us. Our joy is not going to come from anything that the world can give to us. We've got to continually remember that the material and the temporal and all of these things of this life is not what this is all about as a believer. Your joy is not from the acceptance of the world and it's not from anything the world can give you. He said it in verse 11, these things. Have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full? This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. You're my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants for the servant knoweth not what the Lord doeth. But I've called you friends for all things that I've heard of my father I have made known unto you. You have not chosen me. But I have chosen you and ordained you. Poke your neighbor and say, hey, chosen. You have been ordained by me that you should go and bring forth fruit. And that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you that you love one another. He's repeated that because there has to be something essential in that thought. Because we're going to have enough junk from the world that if we don't love each other, it's really going to be rough. Y'all with me? Then he goes on to say this. If the world hate you, verse 18, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Now, there's a difference, y'all, between the world hating you and you being hateful to the world. He don't say hateful. He said the world hates you. The world doesn't love you because you're different than they are, but your difference is not supposed to cause you to be hateful toward the world. He repeated the thought of love twice. We don't hate nobody. If you were of the world, they would love you, but you're not of the world. Verse 20, remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my, if they have, if they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had, no, they had not had sin, but now they have no cloak. For their sin. In other words, truth shined light on their sin. That's why they hated, hated me. And today it's, it's very obvious that, that, that truth is hated. Maybe, maybe not right here, and I know not right here in this gathering tonight, but truth is hated. And he that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. But this cometh to pass that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me and also shall also bear witness. Or ye also shall bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning." 
these words. That's what I was, what I, when I'm driving home. And this is the longest point. In case y'all think he's going to preach three points and he's spending 20 minutes on the first one. Don't worry about it because the next two are just really short. Kind of like pop up here. I'm just doing all my scriptures up front and then I'll preach later. Except I can't quite do it like he can do it. Did y'all hear Sunday night? He was, that was incredible Sunday night. The work of the Spirit. Everybody say the work of the Spirit. In John 16, 7, he takes us into that. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because they go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. How be it? When he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and will shew you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall shew it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall shew it unto you. That's why I believe it's of utmost importance that you, in the privacy of your own personal devotion, pray and study the word of God and ask the Holy Ghost to give you enlightenment to what the word says. Show me your word, Lord. Show me your truths. Reveal your truths. Make your truths clear to me. He wants you to know that. He wants you to have the revelation and the understanding of his truth. Jesus spoke. These things he spoke. And he spoke revelation of who he is. And he spoke about connection through his spirit. And he spoke about fruitfulness through that connection. And he spoke about guidance by his spirit. So he reveals to us who he is and he, he says connection is going to be yours through the Spirit of God. And, and then fullness of fruitfulness is going to be yours as a result of that connection. And then guidance by my Spirit as the Spirit leads you in truth is going to be yours. And then he concluded this statement again in that 33rd verse of John 16. He said, these things I have spoken unto you. Those things that I just took you through for those past 15 minutes. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So the second thing is, in the world, in the world, ye shall have tribulation. The world, what's the world? The world is the word cosmos, and in the Jewish mode of speaking, it's talking about the present world, the present order of things. And it's talking about it as opposed to the kingdom of Christ. And it's talking from the standpoint with the idea of transience, of worthlessness and evil, both the physical and moral. It's talking about the seed of cares and temptations and irregular desires. When it's talking about the world, it's referring to what is temporal and not eternal. And there's a whole lot of connection of the scripture between believers and the world. Where Jesus said you are 
lights of the world, but we're also said we are not of the world. We're light of the world, but we're not of the world. We're chosen out of the world, but we're still in it because we have tribulation in it. We're sent into the world by Christ, but we're not to be conformed to it. We're crucified to it and unspotted by it. And we're living soberly in this present world and denying the desires of the world. So he said, in this world you shall have tribulation. The word there just simply means pressure. It means affliction. It means anguish and burdens and trouble. And it, and it comes to us from the thought of crushing or pressing or squeezing or, or compressing. Paul writes to us in 2 Corinthians 1, 2, and he says, Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation. Now, I told you the other day that he doesn't comfort us in our doubt. He doesn't pat us on the back because we're living in fear and living in doubt. He doesn't comfort that. But he does comfort us in our tribulation. That we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. For whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as we are partakers of the suffering, so shall we also be of the consolation. Paul said it a couple chapters later over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. He says, For we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled. On every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. And then John says this in 1 John chapter 2, verse, 5, verse 15. Love not the world. Don't fall in love with the world. Somebody give me an amen. amen. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world's going to pass away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Jesus said, in this world you shall have tribulation. You're going to have tribulation because you are not of this world. You're in it, but you're not of it. This world doesn't define you. This world, not only do they not define you, the world and its system resist you. The system of this world resists the things of the kingdom of God. And I think we're aware of that. We know that. That's why we can't get too comfortable in the world. If we're comfortable in the world... Something's not quite right in our life as a believer. 
Romans 12, 1, Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world. That word just simply means don't be shaped by the mindset of this world. Don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And I want to remind you of something. I've been saying this for 12 years now. Remember, it's the heavenly minded that can do the most earthly good. Now, some of you guys may not know where that statement comes from, so give me two minutes and I'm going to tell you. I remember I grew up in this church and I had to go off for 20 years to grow up because I was that kid, David, that was nine when mom and dad started pastoring here. And so I had to, I had to leave. I had to go off kind of like Moses did. I had to, my Egypt was Indiana and Franklin, Tennessee. I had to go away. But I remember when I was just a teenage boy in this church, I heard somebody complaining and kind of griping about my father. Pop, y'all know Pop. He's been around here almost 50 years now. And I heard somebody saying something about him, and this was their statement. They said, uh, oh, Brother Beecham, he's just too heavenly-minded to be of any earthly good. And, you know, you can say things, and you can say it with eloquence and confidence, and it can sound convincing. And I was a young man, and so something started triggering in my mind that Brother Beecham... He's too, too heavenly-minded to be of any earthly good until I grew up. And when I started pastoring in Indiana, I was in Indiana, this was 20-something years, 20-something years ago, and, and I, was, I was pastoring, and all of a sudden it dawned on me that it is the heavenly-minded that can actually do the earth the most good. And so it's a ridiculous statement to say that person's too heavenly minded to be of any earthly good. If y'all use that statement, you need to erase it from your vocabulary. You're talking about cancel culture? You need to cancel that. Because it is the heavenly minded that can do the most earthly good. The heavenly minded that is not fighting everybody to get ahead. The heavenly minded that is not stabbing somebody in the back and putting them down on social media. The heavenly minded is focused on the things of God. And the third final thing, the third and final thing. Jesus said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. John 16, these things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The word overcome is the word nakeo. The next word after it in the Greek is the word naki. And naki means victory. So it's older than the shoe. The, 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 the word's older than the shoe. But nakeo. And it just simply means to subdue, it means to overcome, it means to conquer, it means to prevail, it means to get victory. Jesus said, I have gotten victory, I have conquered, I have prevailed over the world. So the word he leaves with us, he said, I have left you my word, I have given you my peace. You shall have tribulation in life and you will have struggle in the world but 
Take courage, keep heart, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Poke your neighbor and say, Jesus is an overcomer. And because he was an overcomer, he overcame the world. He overcame death. He overcame sin. He overcame the grave. He overcame all these things. Because he is an overcomer, we can overcome. 1 Corinthians 15, 55. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Look your neighbor and say you're an overcomer. 2 Corinthians 2.14 Now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. Romans 8 and 35 Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. There's not been one single thing that we faced in life so far and not one single thing that we'll face in life as we move forward into it not one single thing that can separate us from the love of God and Paul says for I am persuaded everybody say for I am persuaded Romans 8:38. for I am persuaded that just simply means I am fully convinced I've got a made up mind nobody's talking me out of this it's not based on today's circumstances it's not based on how good things are at the moment or how good I think they're going to be tomorrow I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers uh, nor, nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord let's stand together there's an old song used to be my favorite song in the song book and then I don't know where the song books went to but it's still Still my favorite old song, my favorite hymn. I think y'all know it. You should have it memorized. You've been in church for a while. If you haven't memorized it, it's not that hard. It just simply says this. I heard it. 